Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hi guys. Welcome to another Monday. It's the RGM Experience Podcast. I'm Carl Maloney, the host. How are we doing? Hope you've had a nice week. Earned a few quid. Got up to some hijinks along the way. Caught a gig or two. Yeah, this week's really picked up just in the last few days. Submissions are coming in strong now into RGM. It's going to take us a little bit longer than usual to get back to everybody. So if you've submitted your music, just give us that extra day or two. We'll definitely get back to you. It's rammed. But we wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, I was at the Blinders gig last last Saturday. Down at Night and Day Calf. Great to see the new tunes from the lads and the new direction they're going. We're going to be reviewing their brand new EP on RGM soon too. That's coming up this week. Got a new review for the new Sherlock's album coming up. Shitloads going on. It's great. Wouldn't have it any other way. I'm recording this on uh, on release day, busiest day of the week, um, Friday, just before this podcast comes out on Monday. So yeah, this is one of the the funniest, funnest, and busiest, and hectic days of the week because everything comes out, and then you're planning for the week ahead and. There you go. I was in the hospital yesterday as well. I'm now a cyberman. Cyberman. Depending how you say it. My mother-in-law calls Spiderman. Spiderman. Well, Spiderman. I said it wrong. My mother-in-law calls Spiderman. Spiderman. Uh, it's quite funny. Uh, so I'm a... I've just said Spiderman. Uh, Cyberman. Yeah, anyway, I went to the hospital yesterday. Camera down the old throat. Everything's all good down there. Getting a bit of acid reflux, so it's a precautionary thing, so they're just checking it out. Uh, and while they were down there, they, uh, in my gullet... A bit too graphic for you, Emma. Um, but yeah, they, they've popped a little robot. I'm calling it a robot. It's a microchip in my uh, esophagus, gullet thing. And it reads all the acid and shit, so... Um, if you hear a beep, I've got a robot that's reading me as we speak. That's that. So that's my little medical thing. Um, reaching a certain age. Gotta get, yourself che- check, get yourself checked out if you have any problems, guys. And girls, obviously. Yeah, so today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined, and what a guest, Ben Robinson, director of Kendall Calling, Blue Dot Festival, is in two different bands, he's had three albums out over lockdown, and we we have a great, great, great catch-up and chat with him just around, um, you know, how it was over the pandemic, you know, as a festival organiser and managing these great amazing events that he puts on every year and to having it take away quite late by the government um you know it's quite tough so we talk through all of that but one little thing that's different about this podcast is we we have a listen to his brand new album as well from hello cosmos and the, we, we put, the, there's a story that goes along, uh, and it's all around promoting and, you know, his experiences of being in the music industry. The album tells a story, and we follow that story through the chat and listen to a few songs, and Ben tells us about his experience of the songs and how it relates to uh, the story. It's an amazing story, so that's the second half of the, the chat. Yeah, I wanted to thank Ben as well for being patient with me during the interview. Uh, a few gremlins in the system in the in the Zooms uh, uh, arena. It crashed four times. Great ball ache. Uh, but I've edited it. To, uh, I've edited it. 
So if you see a little jump on the video version of this podcast, available on YouTube from Wednesday, uh, that, that's the only reason why we st- stitched it together after the system crashing a little bit. But yeah, thanks Ben for being patient with us and um, getting through this together. Yeah, so you're in for a treat, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Keep up to date on everything RGM Pod at RGM Pod on Twitter. We'll give you everything and all the news first. Join us for the video version of the podcast with me and Ben on YouTube. It premieres on Wednesday at six o'clock. So keep in touch. Enjoy. Ben Robinson. Thanks, mate. Musician, uh, festival um, owner, uh, you know, the original person behind Kendall Calling, Blue Dot now. You're a musician, you're, you're a dad, <laughs> you've had two, you've got, you're in two bands, um, you've recorded three albums over lockdown. Is that right? Uh, Have I missed anything? Yeah. <laughs> I've missed anything there, mate. I'm 10 years old, so I can't, I can't lay claim to doing it all at the time. But Right, okay. Yeah, I didn't put a record out for a full album in my entire entire life, really. I haven't played yeah. a band since I was about 17. I put three records out last year, so that was a bit weird. It's uh, so, to show what you do when you can't play gigs. <laughs> Fair enough. So, wow, what a portfolio of things to keep you busy. Director of From the Fields as well, you know the 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 agency that manages all of these things. What's a, what's a normal day for Ben Robinson, mate? What's a normal day? A lot of spreadsheets and emails. Yeah, to be honest, <laughs> and telephone calls. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a funny game. I uh, before I did all of this, I worked for a while in, in banking because mm. uh, lived in the village and there was no there was no real not a lot of jobs. And my dad said I should applied to Barclays Bank for a job. Yeah. I, I laughed at him. I was like, can, okay. can you imagine me? I mean, I'm into my music, I'm into my bands. I'm hung over half the week and spaced yeah. out the other half. I don't, I can't see me in a bank. And <laughs> I rang up just to, just to appease him and ended up passing a phone interview. I didn't realise I was on. Yeah. Uh, I went to work for Barclays for a while, which I was actually relatively good at. No idea why. Yeah. Uh, but then I wanted to get away from spreadsheets and figures. Uh, I didn't like sitting on computers all day and that worked for about two years and then the festivals just became spreadsheets and figures and sitting on emails all day so well we we, we uh we, I, the last time we had a chat with you in real life was down at, off the record and we had a little chat before we started the interview how, how long ago was that now feels a lot longer than what it is doesn't well, it I, I think it's you know it's going back at least two years since the yeah. last version of it maybe three years since mm. we chatted Maybe four in this weird time war yeah. rolling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and at that time, yeah, you were you're gracious enough to give me a bit of your time, and we did a an interview for the podcast back then. And one of the things that always uh, stuck with me was the advice that you gave me to try and theme your events and try and stand out against your competition. Now, I, I'm still putting grassroots gigs on, which we'll probably talk about later on, just how difficult and the challenges are of hosting live music in today's world um but yeah i've always kind of like tried to not necessarily theme it in a way where you know dress this way or that kind of way but theme it make make it look different to what else is out there um online and try and stand out in different ways by using your artwork and uh, just tr- just trying to stand out in this in this world where <laughs> everything's online now it's it's really difficult yeah, yeah, I remember the conversation. I yeah. said that typically. Yeah, I think there was definitely that, and there was there was actually I was reading uh, um, an interview this morning with uh, James from Yard Act, uh, just down in Southampton at the in-laws. I picked up a local zine. Uh, he's on the front of it, which is really strange for me because I know him from my time living in Leeds. Mm. Uh, obviously, he was uh, phenomenal in post-war glamour girls. Those guys. Um, became, I think, my favourite band of 2017. Like, yeah. You know, you get that Spotify rap thing. Mm. Uh, it was post-war Glamour Girls and LCD sound system and uh, I remember watching them down at the Broodnell. So, uh, so, yeah, so I was reading an interview with James and he's talking about Yard Act. It's phenomenal what those guys have done uh, in the last 18 months. Uh, I was actually in the studio in Greenmount in maybe before lockdown or in between the lockdowns doing some Hello Cosmos mm. stuff. Uh, James was in there 
uh, work, working on the backing tracks for what would become Yard Act. I don't even know if they had a name at the time. He'd uh, moved in with um, one of the guys from Skylark and, uh, and they, were, they were house sharing and, and they just, you know, bored on a night and started making mm. some music, which eventually turned into Yard Act. But he was talking about how how what he's really enjoying about that at the minute is creating this world of Yard Act. So they've got these characters in the songs. Uh, I think Travis Peltz was the first one, Peanuts. He's creating these characters within within the lyrics, within the songs that are creating these worlds that they're then replicating in the videos. Wow. Uh, so the, one of the first tracks, I think, is a guy, there's a character in it called Gray, and he's got a Volvo and he owns two houses and it's all, you know, a little bit of a, bit of a rant and a caricature of this guy with this Volvo. Uh, so for the follow-up video, they went and bought the Volvo. So now the mm. band owns and drives around in this Volvo that come out of the song. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah it's really interesting reading all that because I think that that's what we try to do with Hello Cosmos as well. It's like creating this multi-layered world so mm. that people can get a little bit lost within it. It's not just, here's a track, you know, here's some branding, you know, come and watch our gig. You know, it's trying yeah. try to create something beyond uh, something you can get lost in, I guess, because that's you know a lot, a lot of music, a lot of art, it's escapism, isn't it? So I had a, and you've always done that with Kendall as well, haven't you? Yeah, well, I mean, we've we're just reworking Kendall at the minute, and it's mm. it's a lot of fun. Finally, after not being able to do it for two <laughs> yeah. years, finally, you know, we know we're going ahead next year. Leeds mm. Festival will happen. I was there myself. Watched Wolf Alice on the main stage there. I went down to Wall Points East. Watched Working Men's Club. You know, it was in big crowds and audiences in 2020. Yeah. So I know that in 2022, the systems, there's processes, there's there's ways that we can get these big shows off. So it's great to be planning those again. But yeah, Kendall, you know, we've got this, this thing that is Kendall on this beautiful site, you know, this beautiful piece of escapism, which is getting to the fields, returning to the fields. That's all kind of within, within the vocabulary. And then you've got all these different little venues in, in, in it. And we're looking yeah. at these different worlds, be, be it the house party, which we're going to bring back in a, in a new and exciting way. We've gone, what what will be the ultimate house party? How do we replicate that in a field? And then we've got stuff like, you know, Tim Peaks in there, where Tim, uh, Tim backed up by Nick Fraser, created this incredible world with all these little moments and all these, mm. you know, kind of characters and kind of extensions of Tim Burgess' kind of personality and character within it. And that that in itself is another world, you know, Tim with his listening parties. That's not just Tim Burgess. They've, they've created a world around that mm. world that you can engage with on different layers and get lost in. Uh, and then we've got Lost Eden, which is the uh, the arts and culture area that we've got in the woods that we always struggle to, yeah. to explain what it is. You've just got to go in <laughs> yeah. there and see it, believe it, you know, it's, it, and that's the beauty of it. You kind of lost in this. Well, I, I did my first candle and I think, I think was it the dinosaur on the last one? I like that. You said that like it was the first time you drank Jägermeister. <laughs> I remember when I did my first candle card. <laughs> <laughs> No, I could, I could just, I could just remember. Yeah, <laughs> I can, I, just, I can remember walking around and I knew it were themed dinosaurs. And then you look around and it's a big pile of dinosaur shit. I'm just like, I love that. Yes, my brother made that. He's <laughs> very he? proud of that. My brother. We're all very impressed. Yeah, of all the creativity at the show, one of the biggest talking points was like, I made this huge pile of dinosaur yeah. poo, and they got a cardboard cut out of Jeff Goldblum off the internet as well, and just kind of standing next to it, pointing at it. it was That's really cool <laughs> was that the last one then the dinosaur one it was yeah 2019 wow. Wow. yeah it was just like you know i'm from sheffield so i'm i'm always at tram lines uh and so and a lot of years it's kind of clashed on the same weekends i think but this one it was alternate weekends so i managed to do both that year yeah yeah i think it changes a little bit because we're always trying to be yeah. the last right. weekend of july or the first mm. the one that steps into august so it changes but tram lines phenomenal show man you know we watched that yeah. grow We've never been ourselves because it's always yeah. so close to our show, but got a lot of time and respect for the team over there. Yeah, they, yeah, they've got a phenomenal show over there. It's really great. Well, one one thing I wanted to ask with Kendall, with it being so close, or it felt like it was so close to going ahead last year, and it was kind of pulled away last minute with all the extra rules and regulations and that kind of stuff. <laughs> how how was it behind the scenes? You know, with just give us a, a little view behind the scenes of how much of a struggle it's been for festivals to try and to try and move forward in this world through oh, man. through Ten- tense. Yeah. I mean, I, I, just, I think we're all, we're all in a similar place coming out of what went on, mm. not really wanting to look backwards that much. So just all trying to flip back to normality as quickly yeah. as possible. But I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 
hopefully this Saturday going on the first holiday I've had since 2019. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long two years of crisis managing a business and mm. becoming a dad. Um, but, you, you know, I just know in myself that there's all these layers of, of trauma, stress, yeah. you know, anxiety that they're going to take a bit of time to come off. I don't mm. think back on it much, but we, yeah. Um, yeah, we were discussing the other day. We kept the option of Kendall going. We kept the go as a possibility till six weeks out from the show. Yeah. So that, you know, if you'd have asked me on a normal year, I would say we have to decide the absolute latest by April, like three months before. Yeah. But because because of how much the whole team was behind it, all the suppliers were behind it, yeah. everyone said, look, we, we won't take deposits. We'll just, we'll, we'll push this as far as we can go. Because if we can go and we can build it, then it works for everyone. You know, yeah. the artists are going to get paid. The uh, the suppliers are going to get work. Do you know what I mean? It was in everyone's yeah. interest to push it, yeah. to, to make it go. And also, you know, we just all wanted to do a show. I'm not doing a show. So we got to like six weeks out, but we were, uh, that was in June, and we were waiting on Boris. I think it was the 14th of June. Mm. He did a did a, a TV thing, uh, a, press, a press thing. And because everything was improving so fast, they thought they might bring forward the 21st of July, I think it was at the time, yeah. reopening. If they'd have brought that forward by two weeks, or if they'd have made us a, um, a test case like they did for Latitude, Tramlines and a couple of other shows, then we'd have gone ahead. But that afternoon on the 14th of June, you basically said, no, we're sticking to the, to the timeline. And that was like mm. the, two weeks later, yeah. they said, right, you know, just get on with it. So in the space of two weeks... Uh, Kendall would have happened, but but we just didn't get any clarity. We just didn't yeah. get what we needed for that time. And, and there was that point where we're like, you know, we're having calls between the team. It's like, if we do go ahead and try and do a show, there's no guarantee that this is going to be a quality show. But there's actually, you know, this is not how we operate. We don't go and do things by the yeah. skin of our teeth. You know, we don't, we're not, we're not cowboys. We're not do it and fuck it. You know, they're, they're big shows. Yeah. There's a lot of responsibility we have to, mm. to keep people safe and to make sure that, you know, the business is around for a long time. So we, we had to kind of go, look, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to do it this year, yeah. but we're going to be around for next year versus, tr- you know, keep trying to do it uh, and maybe not be around at all. Well, you mentioned, you mentioned the test events there and I, I, I went to Tramlines and it was one of the um, events that was collecting data and, um, yeah. testing the water and seeing what's going to be possible for future events. Did you get access to that data? Post-COVID? Yeah, so, so there was a few test events around that period. The mm. data didn't really materialise for quite some time, to be honest. I can imagine. Uh, but, you know, it, it was interesting. I mean, the main thing that we needed to get from the shows happening in 2021, mm. the, you know, any show like 20,000 cap, cap plus, like major events, yeah. Uh, was just some data to say that provided that people were tested going in, so there wasn't a massive impact of a super spreader event after it. Mm. Because what happened at the start of COVID, there was some football games that went ahead, and I think it was in Europe, uh, created super spreader events. Basically, you mm. see a football audience going to an event actually created a super spreader event. I think it was in Denmark. Um, so that was the real worry for events of that scale mm. and nature. Uh, and what they found was actually created a peak the week before the festival because everyone had to have a test the week before. So because everyone was getting tested to go to the festival, it was increasing the case. Of course, yeah, it's sure. Just testing positive. But post-festival, it wasn't creating any uh, anything out of the ordinary or anything noticeable mm. outside of what was happening with, within wherever those festivals were happening. So I think that's the good thing for us. You know, we've got... Uh, we got that data and for the rest of the summer, you know, major events did happen with testing. Um, and I mean, that was my biggest worry through all of this, you know, the mm. exactly what the precautions were set out to do, which was make sure people didn't gather together in close environments, mm. share bloodily fluids one way or another, <laughs> be it sweat or sneezing or shouting yeah. or anything, you know, more, more cosy than that. I mean, that is a festival. So we were like, oh my God, we are essentially... Of course, yeah. So how do you like... The antithesis of the problem of mm. this, if, this, if it doesn't go away. Uh, but we've, we've got some solutions there. I mean, I, I'm someone who always likes to say positive about things. I yeah. don't... In my life, I've had enough... I don't know. I've had enough shit things happen that I don't... You know, I like to build things and work through things rather than really, really worry or, you know, 
kind of be dragged down by things. I think that's probably one of the hardest mm. things for me through all of this. I, I actually had to stop going out for a little while because I just said to my wife, Roxy, I was like, every time I talk to somebody, because of how visible the live music is, because everybody knows now and everyone's got an opinion on whether or not gigs should happen, festivals should happen. You know, everyone was like a closet kind of pundit on the situation. And yeah. whenever I talk to anyone, they just have this really sad look on their face for me. Mm. And, I, and I'd be like, oh, no, I dealt with that in the morning. I went for a run in the afternoon. I got my shit together. I've been making some really cool music. My wife's pregnant. I'm really happy about life. Do you know what I mean? I found yeah. my way through it. But then I bumped into somebody I know and they just look, you know, look kind of cripplingly mortified for me and like, oh, it's really tough, isn't it? And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> so, not really my bag to, you know what I mean? You've got to kind of find these ways through. So it, do you think the, the festivals in the future will be even safer environments than under what they were now? And just taking a little bit of a, positive spin on it just working in around and putting gigs on and being around everybody that's so affected by not having live music around i i i thought as a as a, pr- a bit of a like a local promoter around the northern quarter and that kind of stuff i thought post covid when things were going to be possible again i thought there couldn't be an easier job than being a promoter because all you need to do is book a venue book three or four bands and then yeah. you're going to sell it out but that that wasn't the case either. I was <laughs> I was thinking this is going to be the easiest job in the world. Nice one. This is easy. Um, where in real life it's it's had completely different challenges. More people aren't going out. The city centres are, are quieter, so there's not as many people just walking into gigs at the minute. People are worried about the close knit environment of smaller gigs and just being potentially um, infected by COVID. It's it's a new world still, the music industry, and and, and I think mm. it's been really resilient, still cracking on and still trying every every possible opportunity to to just keep things going. I'm I'm proud of the industry for for that. I mean, it's one of the most resilient gangs of people I've seen. Mm. You know, I sometimes like think, God, I, I you know my own team and myself in terms of the fact that you know we walked off Kendall calling. Uh, in july 2019 and in terms of you know there's a lot of different stuff we do from the fields but you know there's yeah. a certain amount of us in the team you, the main the main job is making those big festivals happen yeah. you know we won't walk back on to do our jobs onto a festival site until july 2022 it's like a whole three years mm. and, and everyone has had less holidays and worked more and worked harder and been more stressed than usual yeah. It's honestly, it's e- we worked this out pretty quickly. It's easier to do a festival than not do a festival. It's like unpicking the mess. Right. Uh, and then yeah. just, just this, like, okay, we've got to keep, we've got to keep everybody ready to do the festival, but also mm. keep everybody ready to not do the festival at the same time. So you ring your people up while you're trying to do things. And you've got suppliers going, do you definitely want this kit? We need to ink it in. Are we going to put it elsewhere? Mm. I say, well, I definitely maybe need to, to have this kit you know that that became the phrase of the year really it's definitely maybe happening how was that as a as a challenge because I, I went on the we make events march in manchester um and just being around yeah, there. just j- yeah, yeah. Just, just being around the uh the community that's behind the scenes and a lot of people there that you know they were pushing the uh those big metal boxes that they what they call flight cases pushing flight them case. all around yet yeah. yeah and a lot of the industry did move into more secure jobs as well so did, yeah, did, yeah. did you find a shortage of skills in in those areas as well did, did you find it that way or how was that yeah so across the industry i mean as i say we, we haven't done any shows that have required mm. um a massive scale of, 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 of kit in mm. from a music festival perspective as yet but yeah absolutely there's a combined impact of uh brexit uh seeing a lot of eastern europeans who were working uh right across the country uh, of all, you know, of all left the country, why wouldn't you, if you don't feel welcome somewhere, yeah. probably will think, well, I'll move on. You got that combined with COVID, which has pushed a lot of people out of freelance events industry work into other work, which is more secure. Yeah. And actually getting those people back out of those more secure jobs when they've gone, hang on a minute, mm. I, you know, I don't, I'm not exhausted every weekend all summer. You know, uh, I've got quite a nice job. I don't know if I want to come back and do that now. Yeah. Uh, and because people have not had that that adrenaline rush or that magical moment of, of seeing the headline bands, of seeing all those faces happy, you know, to think, God, that was an amazingly difficult six months and I couldn't understand why I do this job because it's really stressful at times. 
when you actually do the gig, it negates it all, doesn't it? You're like, mm. God, it doesn't matter. It's all worth it. You know, it's really worth it to yeah. get the to get people enjoying this music and get bands on stages. So ha- not having had those moments for so long, I think there's a lot of people have you know have forgotten why they bother uh, in what is at times you know kind of kind of challenging. If if only on unsociable hours, challenging. You know, they've yeah. got to do other things and maybe thought, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I'll go back. So I, yeah, the staff shortages are extreme beyond mm. belief um, right it, across the industry. Across the industry, and you know, just people working in pubs, people securing the doors, people hospitality, yeah, the whole thing. Well, another thing that I noticed that I wasn't expecting was that because all the gigs started to happen again. There were people that gig goers were going to gigs three or four times, five times a week, and they were they were double booked for a lot of things that they booked as well. So the the music loving community, the great, they they'll they'll not they'll appreciate when the industry is on its arse and try and help them out by not getting refunds and that kind of stuff. And they'll just be they're very generous with with that, which has been great for <laughs> a, a lot of venues and and bands and you know promotions out there. Um, but they, it was harder to get people through the doors because there were already other gigs. For example, I had a gig on at Gulliver's yeah. and yeah. Lottery Winners had a headline gig. Slow Readers were in town nearby. Uh, you know, it just seemed everything's going on all all in one night, which is great because things are happening again. Um, but then it's yeah. just a new challenge that, you know, people are, some people don't want to go out for the fifth night in a row because they've been seeing bands all week as well. They just it's 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 exhausting the new challenges that are out there for people. And but they're still they're still doing it, and I'm proud of it. I, I just love I love that I love that get up and go attitude and the generosity of the music fans that have you know not gone for refunds when they could have in difficult times. I just love all, yeah, I mean, all we've, of that. We've got a phenomenal amount of support from from the, the crowds on the festivals. Mm. You know. They, it's been like that was the nice, you know, it was, it was a difficult time, but that was the one nice thing about it. I think it was something like seventy five percent of people for for Kendall and Blue Dot kept all of their tickets. Yeah, it was like whoa. We, you know, there was at a time where nobody really knew what the world was going to be like. We didn't even know if we'd do another festival. We're like, yeah. you know, it was so unpredictable at the time. But with seventy five percent of the audiences to go, no, we'll, we'll sit on this ticket so you can do that show. You guys you know, do the show. Mm. And it was, it was a big boost to us. Then we're like, right, well, we got to do these shows, you know, people, people want them back, you know, let's do it. So is this year's Kendall and Blue Dot, are these going to be the easiest ones to, to do? Because you've already had, you've already had the majority, you've already had the majority of the lineups booked for two years, Ben. It must be a walk in the park this year, mate. Honestly, man, it's, (laughs) it's weird because it's such a seasonal thing. Yeah. Usually, a lot of doing it is just you, it just happens. But you know, we know at this time, you know, we know in November we start booking the line and we put it yeah. out in January. You know, we've got certain things that we do at certain times of year, and you kind yeah. of click into gear from a little bit of muscle memory. But we're all going, do you know, what if we just forget some of what we usually do in February? Do you know what I mean? Like everyone <laughs> yeah. has a little black, and we're like, oh, damn, yeah. Where's the merchandise? Who's who's on who's on Portaloos? Who's on Portaloos? <laughs> yeah, so you know, it is everybody kind of rattling their heads at the minute, going right. What what was that? You know, let's let's get back into the in these spreadsheets. <laughs> you know, get through these budget lines. So who does that? We had it the other day where the shuttle buses at Kendall are run by a guy called Jason. Mm. And, Jamie that uh, that works on on Kendall, he was going. Yeah, I've just been at a meeting where everyone just looks at each other and going, "Here's Jason." <laughs> like, I thought you bought Jason. It's like, no, I thought you bought Jason. We're like nobody knows yeah. how to book Jason. Like well, that, well, where the shuttle bus is going to come from. <laughs> so yeah, there's going to be a lot of little things like that. I think, yeah. like uh, like mildly geriatric festival organisers, kind of you know trying to, <laughs> trying to knock off the rust a little bit. I remember how to do it. I, I I went. I've never been to Blue Dot yet. I'm planning on getting as soon as I can. I went round uh, the big spaceship there. What's it called? Uh, what's the place called? It's gone out of my head. Oh, the telescope. Yeah, Jodrell Bank. That's it, Jodrell Bank. Yeah, I had a walk around it. What an amazing setting that is for a festival. And we were talking about you know theming and events, and they're always like you know you have events like Chemical Brothers on and that kind of stuff, and it's all like spacey and it's all um, it's themed but not themed. Um, it's cleverer than that. It's it it, it is like you say. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's somewhere to escape into with a bit of yeah, a spacey kinda, vibe. Kinda weird. Yeah, we'd, we'd, 
with the opportunity, which I'm still, you know, blown away and, and humbled by the opportunity that um, was extended to us to, to go down there and work with, with John Frank to, to put together a festival mm. that came out of the uh, director of the Discovery Centre there, Teresa Anderson, who's mm. uh, a phenomenal character. You know, she saw that, you know, there were different ways of engaging people with science and she saw what we were doing and said, look, you know, let's, mm. let's get some, some people excited with the music you know, and then engage them in the science. Let's 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 get people thinking about music and science in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, the, the the fun thing about that was when we went down there. Just you know, anybody who goes there, you just look at the iconic nature of that telescope, mm-hmm. everything that it symbolizes for the work that it does, yeah. for the feat of engineering that it was. And it was like you know, blue dot kind of grew out of all those characteristics of the site. And then, you know, my my part, I guess, that I played in it was to look at it and go, okay, what does that sound like? Yeah. What would that, what would be the soundtrack, you know? And, and when we curated the earlier versions of it, literally every band that we put on there or DJ was was done from the perspective of, um, would this sound good if you were flying through space, you know? Yeah. What would be your journey into outer space? And whether that was electronic stuff, there was a lot of electronic that we put on there or... We pulled in Hawkwind Year Two just because it was like, yeah, it's got to work, you know, why not? So, yeah, it's it's a cool place, a cool show. We really can't wait to get back down there. It's, it's going to be fantastic. Well, I can remember the last time we had a chat down at Off the Record. You mentioned that um, you being in a band. Did you what, what exactly did you did you say now? Was there some kind of event that went on in Kendall and you wanted to be part of it and you uh, you got yourself on the bill for it? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I can't, I'm not explaining this very well. I can't. Oh so yeah, I, that I, was just that was just I was playing in bands around Kendall, the birth of Kendall. Ah, Bowling, right, right, okay. An extension of that, really. There was yeah. great local bands. I was in a local bands. You know, there wasn't there wasn't really any massive gigs to play around mm. there. So you know, I got to know Andy Smith, who was promoting shows locally. Uh, he's probably only about sixteen, seventeen at the time. I don't think oh. I was much more than twenty. Yeah. And uh, we were like, right, let's let's put on a bigger gig. Let's, let's do something. That's it. Yeah, you put on a bigger game and then put your own band on, class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I need somewhere to play. <laughs> Good on you, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's what a lot of comedians do when they're, when they're starting off. They'll start their own comedy night, so they've got somewhere to, to yeah, hone the yeah. craft. So it's, you know, it's done in other yeah. industries. It's Why not? It's, it's Honestly, it's funny looking back. Cause the band at the time is Death Retro, and we, we've just put a record out mm. in this last year. Yeah. We were, we're living in, uh, all living in Manchester, getting really excited because... We went on kind of a, a long hiatus after being in Leeds for a while, but you know, in hindsight, what we were trying to do with that band was create a really cool band, yeah. which is quite experimental, kind of um, the electronic desert rock, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's always bad to kind of describe describe your own music. Uh, but looking back, we were not only trying <laughs> to create a music scene that didn't exist, so yeah. no music scene, anyways. We were trying to create a really specific subgenre music scene in a place that didn't have a music scene. And then we'd have to put on all of our own gigs. And then we started putting on our own festivals. And now we're like, oh, we all live in Manchester. It's just, this like, you know, it's like six venues we can play any night of the week. Yeah. <laughs> just, this is good. There's other people who can be the promoters. We don't have to promote our yeah. own shows anymore. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, I think, you know, you, you, you've, you know, as a musician, um, you brought an album out from Hello Cosmos as well that we've covered a few times on RGM. Um, and we just love I the vibe of... Hello, Cosmos. And we're going to try something a little bit different today because the album that you brought out, forgive me for referring to my phone, but we're going to play a bit of music oh, from each okay. tune. And there's, this, there's, a, there's a theme behind each song on their album. So how many songs is there on there? There's 11 songs. So it introduces to, you know, the idea behind the album and the story that, that travels through the album in regards to you being a promoter and, you know, the, how the industry ended up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So so for me, I've always played in bands and mm. Hello Cosmos I put together with my brother who's the drummer. Uh, we did some drums and bass, like mm. really loud and live and, and then like built that up in the studio with some collaborators. So we did a debut album, which we put out in January, mm. uh, which is weird. Put it out, put it out <laughs> and sat at home on my own, which is uh, odd. <laughs> um, but during... During the whole pandemic, I just tried to get some positives out of it. And I've always collected a bit of studio gear, but never had the time to uh, record anything myself. So I challenged myself in the attic room, basically, to, to plug all this kit together that I'd had for years yeah. and, and try and record something. 
So I tried to work with Ableton, got very frustrated with it, and then realized all I really wanted was a digital four track. So yeah. I was like, I'm just going to use GarageBand. I only really yeah. want to record all these mad pedals and my own voice and guitars. You know, it, it doesn't really matter what. I just need like an, an interface. So uh, yeah, so I did that. I set up GarageBand, and then each night through through lockdown, when I could be bothered to drag my ass off the sofa mm. and you know, kind of get past that scrolling on Twitter or the the, the, the killing yeah. self doubt that I could I was probably rubbish and it wasn't worth trying anyways. <laughs> I kind of drag drag myself into the attic room and just, just messing around a little bit. And mm. honestly just just did it with no intention of it being a record because I, I I never would have imagined any of it would be any good to be honest. Yeah. Um and I, I just did it each day as a way of processing. And I really realised that's what music is for me. You know, you get a lot of shit shoved on your plate. Yeah. a little bit of joy in life. Yeah. And I just realized that going in there and just throwing down by whether it was a baseline or just ranting of mm. something that was in my mind that day, uh, just into the microphones or whatever, uh, was just, a, just helped me each yeah. day. It was kind of clear me out for the day so I could deal with another horrific wave of bullshit the next day. Um, and then I think I, I just kind of got to a certain point where I listened back to quite a bit. And then I thought, this this is actually quite interesting, you know. Mm. Uh, there's probably a bit of a storyline here because because I've been doing it maybe over eight or ten months, and it just felt like little moments in it, you know, that the, the different tracks were kind of referring to different states of mind I'd been through or different moments I'd been. Well, the through. first the first one's called um, "From the Ground Up." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that should we should um, we play a bit? Should we play a bit of "From the Ground Up"? Yeah, play go. a little "From the Ground Up." We'll get into yeah. it. Very descriptive of some of the things that you've mentioned in this interview today, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that was just at a point where you know everyone was pivoting, yes, pivot, and I was, I just was like, I said it as a quid, really, to rock. So I put my back out pivoting. I've, I've had enough of this. <laughs> you know, li- literally what we do, and we realised this when people were like, "I oh, just do virtual festivals." And we tried a bit. It's like this isn't what we do. Like yeah. literally, what I do is get people to gather together in close proximity in mm. fields out, yeah. you know, together. Like, and um, that was like that line, like square peg round hole. I was like, this does, doesn't, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't matter what I do here. This doesn't fit. Um, and then it was also that, that thought you were about flight cases earlier. Mm. I was sitting quite, quite early doors, just on the phone to somebody talking about what was happening. Just looking at all the musical kit, mm. and looking at like the amps and looking at the leads and just, just realising across the entire planet, all those flight cases that are usually yeah. on wheels going in and out of trucks, all those amps that are in and out of vans and, you know, switched on and switched off, all those pedals, all those cables, they were all just silently sat, like completely yeah. static. And it was just like this really, like, you know, those, those little moments just staring, staring at and going, wow, the entire world is switched off, the entire music is switched off. It's, it's difficult to fathom it, it's a worldwide thing, isn't it? Yeah. You only know yeah. it's worldwide when you see the news and things, but, you you know, you've got your own world and your own thing going on around you, and you see you see it affecting people locally to you and around the country, but then you're right. The, the thought of it happening to everybody kind of makes it feel yeah. easier, I suppose, because, you know... Yeah. Easy to a point, just, yeah. just a little bit eerie at yeah. that time. It's like, and that that that's where the title came from, really, from the ground up. It was like yeah. the whole thing's going to have to be rebuilt from the ground up. Oh, second so, yeah, one, then. Let's, second one. Uh, hard enough to start with. Hard enough to start with. God's sake. Monday afternoon, another fucking Monday afternoon. It was hard enough to start with, and now there's all this. 
So yeah, hard enough to start with. Um, the lyrics yeah. in there so, talking about <laughs> you know not dealing with bullshit and that kind of stuff is it, it feel it feels like it's a it feels like it's a, a, a strain of consciousness. Is that is that the phrase? I'm not words <laughs> words are failing me. <laughs> yeah, well, this was probably the biggest surprise piece on the whole thing. Right. Um, I was lucky enough because me and my wife Roxy worked together. We, we set up a home office, right. and it, but there was I think maybe four Mondays into lockdown. I was like, you know, I was trying to get up and you know a leader within the business and trying you know take the knocks and kind of lead it through. I was trying yeah. to save jobs and do you know what I mean? Trying to yeah. do some all on shit. Uh, and there was one Monday I was like, I just I just fucking can't do this. And uh, Roxy was like, go and go and do some music you know because whenever i would do some music i would come back happier so i was like yeah i'll go and do some music and i literally picked up the bass plodded through a bit of bass didn't feel in the mood for it mm-hmm. like made about two minutes of bass or something mm-hmm. went on the microphone and i literally was just doing it to take the piss yeah. out of myself i was like oh it's hard enough to start with now there's all this what a load of shit what an absolute <laughs> load of shit and then just you know, kind of close the computer and thought, do you know what I mean? I've been that, I'll never see that again. <laughs> um, but looking, and this is, this is what I got into a little bit with this record. I, I kind of realised from a historical context, and um, this is what I like about kind of music documentaries or things. Mm. Things never seem that important as they happen. Yeah. But if you look at them with historical context, the most mundane thing in, in, in a, that can happen during a day in a historical context can look and mean a lot more. And I just kept thinking that. I thought, you know, if I keep recording just what I'm thinking right now, this has never happened in the history of yeah. mankind to this level, and certainly not in the modern age with all the equipment I've got around me. Yeah. If I just capture whatever the hell it is, however mundane or boring I feel that this moment is, if I just capture it, it'll have some value mm. in high, you know, to look back on. So that that was kind of what, what I was experimenting with on this record as well. It was just catching whatever in the moment and then just, you know, as I say, thinking, you know, the historical context of this, mm. mainly just for myself, just for myself to be like, I will, there will be no way I'll be able to remember, you know, two years, five years, 10 years from now, what I was thinking when this pandemic was in like the peak of it. So it was an interesting way of just throwing everything down. Yeah. And uh, that track was made, made phenomenal by a, uh, the producer that I work with on this project. So I've got a friend called The Alchemist. Mm. Uh, he was out in San Francisco. I was chatting to a bit online. He's, he's an old friend from Cumbria. And he was struggling to work out how to come back into music after making a couple of records and wasn't really sure how to do to do it, what character to play, how mm. to present himself. So I said, look, I just got all this stuff. You know, it's already there, but it needs really, you know, it needs properly producing. It needs a decent mix. It needs a bit of arrangement for someone to look from the outside in and cut out the crap and, you know, they present it a bit better. Uh, so, yeah, so he got really into it and uh, he produced the record with us. I'm getting like a uh, a little bit of a Sleaford Modsy type vibe. Just with, yeah. just with how yeah, the vocals are delivered in some parts. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. All, all the people that have vocally been compared to uh, are, are people that I've got a lot of respect for and I think they're, mm. they're really good. But the actual influences are never really the ones picked up. Yeah, okay. So uh, the band called uh, Future of the Left, I think, yeah. probably one of the one of the bigger influences. And uh, Tom Veck, you've listened to a lot of his, his stuff. I, I haven't personally now, but I will. Oh, you not? No. Oh, well, you're in love. Tom yeah. Veck's first record is ridiculous. I, I've listened to that. You'll write a little note on there. Note to self. New album to listen to. <laughs> Tom Veck. And the third song, th- are things feeling a little bit better on the third song? Summer will come, Ben. Let's have a, let's have a listen to this oh, one. Festivals are coming, it's happening. (laughs) 
going to be back one day. Everything seems positive. Yeah. <laughs> that's what. That's the vibe I'm getting. Is that? Is that? I like that. I like that. Well, he was just. He was actually in one of the tougher moments where it's just that idea uh, of like summer will come. Yeah. You just got to remind yourself. You know, it's January now, isn't it? Summer will come, and it always does arrive. The nice bit about that was by the time Ollie mixed it, he was, he was living mm-hmm. in San Francisco when he started mixing this record. Yeah. Uh, and then his, his missus took a redundancy package and as soon as she signed for the redundancy package, she was might explain the story, um, their visas then they finished in a month. So he basically, like within oh. a month, had to move from San Francisco back to the UK. So he mixed half of it in a garage in San Francisco, mm. a quarter of it in an RV driving from San Francisco across the States, and then he finished it. And that's some little Scottish lambs. He oh. finished it and like recorded the sound of some lambs at the start of it. Um, so it's interesting, kind of. I have this story with this record that I was telling, but then him mixing it, he's had his own little journey with it as well. So it's it's really cool. Yet, yet to see him in person after it all as well. Oh really? Oh wow. Okay, so he's just been on things like Zoom and stuff like that. Is that how you communicate yeah, yeah, uh, all the, the vision of it? Wow. Mm. All right. So let's move on to the next one then, mate. So look, loud is beautiful. Of course it is. <laughs> let's go. He's a kid that always needs something to do. He started with Lego, now he's sniffing glue. One day he'll take us to somewhere new. When marriage strikes gold in the casino of the open mind. Your loud is beautiful. Mine's a baseline, not a bump. Loud is beautiful, loud is beautiful. I better fade it quick in case the algorithms get me for not being able to play music on YouTube and stuff. <laughs> wow, yeah. yeah so loud is people featuring. Does it tell and Alara? Alara? Yeah, I mean, a really nice thing that that came out of this was um, I noticed on on Instagram someone mm. had uh, tagged us in a post, uh, and it was Chantel, who's known as Tell as an artist mm. uh, from Seattle, was mm. basically singing along to one of the Hello Cosmos tracks, um, like Love the Island Upon Which We Stand. Yeah, and, and it was just lovely. She was just like singing along and made her own video, singing along to yeah. it. And I messaged her and said, that, "That's really lovely. Thanks, thanks for posting our song." She was like, "I love this track. I listen to this track ten times every day. This track is my joy. I'm yeah. actually, it means the world to me." And so I said, "Oh, well, I see you're a singer as well. Do you, do you want to guess on one of our tracks?" Um, so literally, just came out of that. Never, yeah. never spoken to her on the phone. Just communicated on Instagram. It's one thing I, I love about. On technology and collaboration is is you know you can reach out to people in that kind of sense. That's I've, um, I've started managing a band for my sins recently, and yeah, I, I keep, and and <laughs> I have as well. And I swore I would never do it unless I was in the band. So, you know, my yes, job. yeah, I'll, I'll stay careful. <laughs> uh, yeah, but they they keep saying yeah, all this. What's the point even being on Spotify and that kind of stuff and streaming because you don't get paid anyway, but. Uh, they're not at a level that's going to get paid for the music much, really. They might sell a few CDs or whatever, or T-shirts at a gig. Um, but to have the option and to be, you know, the algorithm can pick you up quite quick and build and find new audiences anywhere in the world, that's that's yeah. worth it. Yeah. That's that's worth it for, at the end of the day, the, the music industry's turned into a bit of a T-shirt selling business anyway. Um, you, you, you're selling... Uh, your selling point is the music, but you make your money through the gigs and the merch and, and all that kind of stuff, don't you? So it's a weird industry that way. Yeah, it's still the physical. If you can sell physical product to mm. the hardcore fans, then that's, yeah. that's the main point. Like the vinyl, you know, that's massive now, isn't it, to be able to, yeah. you know, make money from music again and, and have the margin for it to make an impact on your on your income. Yeah, and I think, again, that comes back to this idea of creating a world. If you can mm. create a world in the same way that Marvel have created a world, that Star Wars has created a world, I mean, not to that level. Yeah. But, you know, you create something that people are, are, are big fans of, and then, mm. on, you know, on a decent and regular basis, you can create nice nice things that they want yeah. to have. Uh, you know, audiences, I think we talked about this last time, we talked, audiences yeah. want to give money to things that they enjoy. They yeah. want to give money to artists. Mm. Uh, and I think that's been the interesting thing, the resurgence of vinyl. Uh, we we put this Golden Dirt mix mixtape, which I called it in the end, because it didn't really feel like a, a Hello Cosmos record. Yeah, uh, I've actually put it on tape, put a cassette tape in. Oh, nice! 
And I did that. I thought he just wants to be a nice, a nice. And it's just a lovely item. I mean, I don't have a cassette player, but I, yeah, it's is it golden? Uh, they had like gold. It's oh, actually wow. gold. Yeah, you know, it's tactile, it's isn't nice. it? It's it's it's, it's yeah. retro. It's. Yeah. It, it reminds me of it, when I first got into music. Somebody gave me a, a, a tape with Supersonic Oasis on it when I were when I were a kid, and it was just like it changes your life in a way, doesn't it? When and and you remember yeah, moments like yeah, that yeah. through your life because because you have this mm. physical thing thing that can change your life no matter what's on it. It's mm. different for everybody, but you know it's just it's got the potential to change somebody's life just being in this little tactile little plastic thing. I love that. Mm. <laughs> Yes. No, no. <laughs> no, sorry, I was, just, I was just thinking about it. Because yeah. I grew up with cassettes, this is probably more powerful than getting the vinyl. Mm. We've got a vinyl, we've got Dream Harder the day beyond vinyl. Yeah. I've made this mix so put up on a tape, and you can get like a run of 50 to 100 in a week, whereas vinyl's like, yeah, you've got to spend thousands of pounds. Yeah, yeah a minimum order, and it'll take a year. And for me, like, this just, you know, this reminds me of the. Queen tapes that I used to borrow off my dad and yeah. kick my ass because I'd give them half, you know, half damage and stuff like that, or the, you know, the the things I would buy in our price when that used to exist. Like it feels like a lot of of a thing with the tape. mixtapes, and you used to you used to write on your mixtape all the different songs on it, yeah. and then you write, oh, then yeah. you write, in the, and and, yeah. and 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 I can remember it being a nightmare to write on the on the head of it because if it wasn't neat enough, and that's the bit that you see in your collection, and it? If, if it wasn't neat enough, it's just not, it's just not right. You know, it needs to be Lodgy. right to, to, to yeah. be displayed and to be seen. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of care and attention we're going to make today. <laughs> right, I think you know, I, I enjoy playlists and things like that, but mm. it's a different matter when you'd have to sit for a night with. Yes, you know, I used to make mixtapes off of CDs a lot, and yeah. then. Have my headphones on at work all the time. I was, I was obsessively stuck to a Walkman for years. But I used to love it, you know. Those, yeah. those tapes would be like an extension of who I was at that time. Yeah, so like you know, the first time I saw, I think it was Slow Readers that started to do tapes when they brought the last batch of merch out. I thought the, the back aren't the tapes, but like you can, really, you, but again, you can find a CD you. player, but you just can't find a tape player for it to yeah. for it to really. It's it is just one of those things you just want to hold and remember, don't you? Yeah. A tape. It's, for, for me, it's another. It's an opportunity because if I hadn't have done that, yeah. you know, I can get you know get CDs printed, but I haven't done that. I'm not going to do a vinyl, and mm. then it's just it's just a way of you know if that costs say you get a certain amount done, it costs like three pounds for the tape, and you ask somebody to give yeah. you ten pounds for that tape, and it's really nice and it's a cool thing, yeah. and they're like, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll buy that. You know, it's it's a way then seven pound margin on what you do in there, and that. As, as is back to what you initially said, is you're not going yeah. to make any money off publishing. You might make money off a t-shirt, but you can only really sell a t-shirt if somebody wants. Yeah. You've got other cool little things, even if you haven't got that many of them, or they're not necessarily even things people are going to put on a cassette player. So if you're going to bring uh, music out, you need all the trimmings to go with it. See what I did there? All the trimmings, I do. <laughs> Let's have a go. <laughs> Where's this one go then, Ben? Where's so this, this is this was just like a little off cut. It's not even yeah. really a song. It's, it's only like a minute and a half, but okay. it's just me faffing around with squelchy synthesizers and stuff, and just felt like a nice segue when we put the record together. Mm. We're like, actually, that you know, it's kind of okay. someone in one of the reviews called it a palate cleanser, yes. an audio palate cleanser, yeah. and I was like, yeah, I'll go with that. The Blinders did that on their last album. They they did little arty things in the middle he did like a, a bit like a like a conversation with some cool music in the background in between that's kind of oh, yeah, gives the audience gives the audience a bit of a rest and then straight back into yeah, it as well yeah. yeah there's some good segues on uh, coral island actually mm, yes blew yeah. me away that record yeah yeah they the, the way that they use that you know the concept of the record again yeah. back to worlds the greatest yeah. world of you, listening to that record you feel like you've been there you know you feel like you've been to somewhere and those little segues like explaining what it's like at the kind of forgotten arcade land yeah. really cool yeah well the i'm going to put in the description of this podcast i'm going to put a link to the album for people to enjoy it 
themselves and hear the full things. Um, we, I've to got Coral Island. What's that? To Coral Island. No, to your your album. Hello, Cosmos. Cosmo. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> Jeez, <that's laughs> it's quite late. I do apologise for being slow on the uptake. Coral Island, uh, yes, it's a better album. Then, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, we're coming towards the end of the uh, the free allowance that you get on Zoom, Ben. So I think oh, we've had a good. Okay. I think we've had a great flavour of the album, and it's teased oh, people absolutely. to to get involved with yeah. it and to uh, and to get involved with it. I'm definitely going to be listening to it in full, and you know, just enjoying, you know, just how you know literal the. The, the song names are to your experiences in music and you know the you know how much it, it feels like this album's been a big help for you through lockdown it has yeah and that's another reason i put it out really even if it's just one line or one yeah. little moment for anybody else kind of trying to chew and remember those times a little bit mm. and you know just kind of relate a little bit i guess you know that's that's a lot of what music is isn't it it's capturing emotions and thoughts mm. and ideas and putting them out there for other people to plug into because they because it yeah. they might share those pieces or it might help them through a bit but i'd say you know my highlight of it is probably the last track golden dirt ah. uh which is coming through it that's all about getting to a kind of a joyous end and getting back to a party with your friends and uh, the whole concept of reading golden Dirt. Squeeze it in before we finish the interview today Drumming and things then. Are you a, are you a drummer? Did you do that from home or is it? No, so, so my brother's a drummer with Hello ah. Cosmos, but a lot of this was uh, sample loop based. Right, just, okay. just because uh, we were locked in in lockdown, he can't sure. really do live drums in a bedroom. Yeah, um, no, so imagine. yeah, that's that's why we called it a mixtape, just because a lot of it is kind of from uh, loop based drums. Mm. Yeah, kind of that hip hop kind of experimental vibe to it. How excited are you for the summer now, Ben? Cannot wait, mate. <laughs> I can wait. imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's going to be big. It's going to be beautiful. It really is. It's going to be incredible. Well, you, you deserve all the, you know, all all the pleasantries that will go around you. You know, creating this big event for thousands of people in the field, and you know, I, I wish you all the best with it, yeah. and you know, good luck with it, and you know, all the people that are attending, just be safe and just enjoy Kendall being back and Blue Dot and check out your music Ben's music and we really appreciate you as a guest on the podcast today mate thanks for your time no worries anytime really appreciate yeah. you taking the time to thanks yeah thanks to Ben for joining us for the podcast what a great insight into you know all the work that goes on behind the scenes making these events happen yeah really enjoyed your chat mate thank you I've had the Hello Cosmos album on repeat since I'm speaking to Ben. Give it a follow and a stream online, guys. It's brilliant. I, I love it. Absolutely brilliant. I love it. I, I genuinely love it. Yeah, so that's another episode of the podcast today, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us down here at RGM. This is the RGM Experience podcast from me, Carl Maloney. Keep in touch. Give us a follow. If you enjoy the show, share it with a friend on, on the older uh, WhatsApp group. Just say, oh, I've heard this new podcast. You might like this. Share it about for us. The podcasts live and die by word of mouth, I think. We'd really appreciate you sharing uh, what we're trying to do here. I can't announce next week's guest yet because it's not recording and I don't want to jinx myself. There will be one. And follow us on RGM Pod on, on the Twitter, at RGM Pod on Twitter. You'll see who it's going to be on there. Yeah, give us a subscribe on... YouTube's probably the one of the quickest ways as well of finding out. Because we set the video to premiere and you get that before anything else as well for for future guests when we premiere them on Wednesdays at 6 o'clock. Anyway, I'm getting out of here. It's been a great week. I'm right up for another one next week too. Hope you all all your dreams come true. I hope you earn a few quid. Share us your favourite gigs online. Tag us into the socials. If you're at a gig, if you find a new band that you love and adore, let us know about them. 
Thanks for tuning in, guys. And we'll see you next week. Nice one. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe. Tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support. And we'll see you next week.